to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Bob, I don't know if I remember how to do this. Yeah, man, we've been out all summer. Matt, you can I'll- find on Twitter at, Horizon, uh, Matt, uh, Horizon Matt. Uh, go to horizonroundtable.com slash subscribe to uh, find all of our different social sites. We're on a ton of them now. Also, uh, you can pull up the... Uh, that also is where you can subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, you can join our pay. You can become a patron, um, and you can uh, go to every podcast site that we are on, uh, HorizonRoundtable.com/slash/subscribe. So yeah, Matt, it's been a while. <laughs> I think I mean, the last time we talked was uh, when we had Luke Basso on. So that was a couple months ago. It's Bob, been how summer. the hell are you, man? How's your summer? It's it's been an experience. It's I'm, been okay. pretty, it's pretty, it has actually been, pre- obviously it's been kind of quiet. It's been kind of nice. I mean, weirdly quiet for the Horizon League, actually. It is, we- yeah, I know, really. That is so, true. So here, here's the important question as we get into the day, Bob. Did you bring the juice? Did I bring the juice? Better? I better you gotta have? Bring, you got to bring the juice to these things. You got to bring your own juice. Got to bring your own juice. And so we have. And this is kind of the... Oh, this is kind of the unof- this is kind of the start of our season because today is the first part of our uh, two part writers forum. So all as we always do every season, uh, uh, every year, as since we started this whole shebang, we've invited all of our writers on. Not everybody could join us, uh, but we definitely did have as many people as humanly possible. So let's go ahead and introduce them, Matt. First and foremost, as always. John Parker is joining us. What's up, guys? How's it going today? That's and my then, new neighbor. Course, yeah, yeah, new neighbor. Yes. Um. So, so there will be a uh, there will be a Horizon League. Uh, what is it? Southwest now? Is that what we're going to be calling it now? With you two? Yeah. Uh, uh, the Horizon Roundtables uh, Southwest offices located in New Mexico. Because we that all heard is about the. You know, once upon a time they talked about you know expanding to the Southwest. They just didn't realize that was me and John. Yeah, yeah. So the the Roundtable is coming down here. And so gonna, yeah, there's going to be a, there's going to be a Southwest office of the Horizon Roundtable headed up by John and Matt. All right, and then then we have uh, Alec Quaid, who of course is covering uh, Cleveland State for us again, once again this season. Hey guys, how's it going? All right. And then we got Blake Schumacher, who's going to be covering Wright State as he has been the last couple seasons. How's it going, everyone? And last but not least, uh, we we find Matt. Matt's a good thing that Matt is. Uh, Good thing that we did find this gentleman uh, to cover Oakland Forest, so Matt could uh, move to New Mexico uh, free with a free conscience, uh, covering uh, Oakland Forest this year. Now is a uh, Griffin beer, so Griffin, uh, welcome aboard. Welcome, uh, welcome to the Horizon Roundtable. Good to be here. Thanks for the welcoming. All right, all right. So let's just kind of jump into this here. Um, we had some actual news this week. Was it this week? It had been this week. Horizon League news. There's been a couple of things, but this is actually a little bit... There's obviously the rebranding. We can maybe get into a little later on, but more importantly, the scheduling, the, the conference schedule has, has arrived. Um, it's, it's pretty different. 
Everyone seems pretty excited about it, though, which, you know what? Cool. Except for uh, John, with except for Kyle Rossi, and we'll talk to him um, with the on the women's side. Like, he's not so excited <laughs> about the schedule, but I, I see him on that, too. So, as I'm looking at the schedule, um, and as I'm looking at the schedule, I'm thinking of doing some crazy things that related to that here. Um, maybe I'll announce later, maybe announce later on in this podcast, I don't know, and freak you all out. Um, it has to do with Horizon Game Night. Um, anyway, it's interesting. The one interesting thing I saw is that there are no Monday and Tuesday games this year. Last year, it was we always seem to have a Monday game because of IUPUI, um, because we only have eleven teams. This year, it's it's spaced out so that there are no Monday and Tuesday games. Also, too. No, only three Friday games, which I'm a little interested in seeing how that's going to work with their ESPN partnership. I'm curious to see how it's going to work with TV. But the thing that I took from the scheduling is they did a, a, you know, they really had a clear focus on making sure rivalry games happen on a weekend, not in the middle of of a week on a Thursday. Like trying to make sure that people are going to see the most important games, both on campus and hopefully on TV. And I, I really appreciate that emphasis in the schedule. Yes, that part is absolutely fantastic, I think. Um, you know, uh, again, so the uh, attendance has been a, a topic for us with different elements of the, the league, um, but we're not getting into that for several months. Um, with that said, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> your biggest games having the chance to have your biggest attendance, that's the way to do it, and it's definitely good that 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 has, you know, kind of been been featured and I guess corrected. So what is everybody oh sorry, go ahead, Mike. Oh well, I was just gonna mention something about how uh I don't know how everybody else's rivalry games look, but at least Wright State and NKU doesn't fall in the Super Bowl this year. Oh, praise <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm a little bummed because the uh, Oakland-Detroit Mercy game at Oakland always seems to happen like on uh, Valentine's Day. So I'm a little sad to lose that because that just had that little bit of specialness to it. But that's okay. Yeah, that's funny because the Oakland because Oakland and Detroit Mercy start out the conference schedule paying each other and clearly end it playing each other. So that's that's a lot of space in between games, I guess. I mean. But to be honest, though, yeah. I really liked it. Like, I, I think that should be, you know, if they can take it one step further and focus on that, because then yeah. you're you're kicking off Horizon League play with your big games. You're finishing Horizon League play with your marquee games. I, I think, yeah. uh, you know, given that we don't actually know what's going to happen in the season, um, you know, maybe the two teams that are predicted to be at the top that you're trying to, you know, highlight pan out. Maybe it's like the last couple of years where a team picks towards the top, finishes like ninth. And who knows, by the time Detroit plays Mercy a second time, they might have a completely different roster of kids who are or are not eligible. We don't even know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we joke about it, but it's true. And I, we'll talk a little bit about Detroit Mercy situation uh, momentarily, if you will. One, um, one noticing about the schedule, just looking at it, is uh, – 
I, I could be wrong, but it seems like there's less, uh, like, in, in years past, it feels like there's been more conference games in, like, late November, early December. But this year, at least for Cleveland State, there is uh, only two. And I know that uh, Greg Campy's been a big uh, critic of playing conference games uh, that early in the season. Yeah, that is true, but I mean, we can't at the same time with the number of schools that uh, teams that we have in the conference, uh, we, it, it's kind of unavoidable. Yeah, for sure. But this year, it I seems never like really they... had a problem with that first week that 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 first weekend of technically the first weekend of December games. I thought that was kind of nice to break up the non-conference schedule like that and get us on the board first before a lot of different conferences did that. Now, this year, of course, end of November, beginning of December is the yes. uh, is, is when we're going to be playing those. So I do like that. And Cleveland State playing two on the schedule this year at YSU and then home against Detroit before uh, going back out to Kent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I believe uh, everybody has two of those games except for Wright State and Milwaukee, which Wright State's filling that little space with Davidson and Milwaukee. No idea. So, <laughs> hey, we're used to. Yeah, Milwaukee, know, as of this recording, yeah, Milwaukee hasn't released as of as of the this recording they haven't released it. I guess uh, I know that Cleveland State jumped out with theirs as soon as they're and they they still have three games they got to schedule because they've got a uh, a lake. You know, what is it? The Viking Invitational that they're playing at Woodland Gym uh, with two teams we have no idea who are. And I guess they're gonna they're trying. I guess they're holding out for another another game too. Probably a bye game I would expect because they didn't really have anything as in the term in the way of like Power Five you know bye games on their schedule this year, which I thought was kind of interesting. No, the the, the most uh, probably well known program they're playing is uh, Kent as of right now. How dare you disrespect Byron Wardle on this podcast? They're playing Bradley, damn it. Uh, they are playing Bradley, but I am a uh, I'm a Kent guy personally, so yeah, I know you are. <laughs> gotta, yeah, gotta give a shout out to the Golden Flashes when I can. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think I think I know why the Bradley game's on the schedule because that's in Peoria, and uh, Daniel Robinson is actually from that area nearby Rock Island. So yeah. Okay. So, Makes sense. The Quad Cities. So yeah, that that's it, it's a it's in close proximity to his hometown. So yeah, I, I get I get why that. And plus it's you know it, plus it's it's Bradley and Brian World. So there is a positive. There is a distinct possibility. Oh, and don't forget they're playing Duquesne. With start the season, yeah. To start the season, they're playing Duquesne. A uh, nice little reunion with uh, Drew Joyce III, who's still on the on the staff there. So. But yeah, that's basically it. I'm like, oh. I mean, I guess they're going to be adding new teams. Uh, they're going to be adding a couple more games. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about Cleveland State situation in a minute. I did want to get to, I actually did want to get to, because uh, we actually got some questions from some of our faithful followers, one of them being Tristan Freeman um, over at uh, HoopsNut351, Tristan Freeman. Of course, from a uh, from busting brackets, he had a question: uh, Which team not named IUPUI or Green Bay has the best chance of finishing in the bottom three? So I gotta say though, and we're—I uh, don't know if IUPUI or Green Bay is gonna finish in the bottom three. <laughs> yeah, I, personally, I don't think there's great odds that I don't think both of them will. That's for sure. Um, I think. Yeah. 
some of the, you know, the completely rejuvenated roster for Green Bay and then the continuity for IUPUI kind of serve, you know, similar purposes where I think they can, you know, have a shot at, at bringing both teams forward quite a bit, especially because, you know, a lot of times you get that big jump for players between that freshman and sophomore year. Uh, they're loaded with, uh, IUPUI was loaded with freshmen. So I think you could see them be quite a bit better. There are a couple, you know, uh, what's the situation with Monroe? Um, if he's good to go for even, you know, a good chunk of the season, I think they have a chance to be quite a bit better than they were last year, you know, between progression of the guys that are already on the team, uh, some of the newcomers, and then if they if they have him for more than a few games, that's a big yeah. deal. I don't. Yeah, I I do believe I would. I do think that we're going to see Bryce Monroe this season. I haven't heard anything to the otherwise. I think he's I think he's good to go for this season. And then and then obviously the complete opposite situation with uh, Green Bay, where I mean, I think some of these additions that they are bringing in, you know, obviously uh, Reynolds. Yeah, Nick Reynolds. Reynolds is. No, Reynolds. Nick Reynolds is his brother is the coach. Sorry. Okay. Nick might have been the, the bigger ad. <laughs> um, oh, clearly. But, yeah, so you've got, you know, Noah Reynolds. They also got, gosh, the uh, D2 uh, big man. Blanking yes. on the team right now. Uh, Rich. Fire. Uh, yes, Rich Fiery. Rich Fiery. Yeah, Fiery. Um, yeah, I think that gives you, you know, a lead guard and a big in a league where, I mean, that can get you a long way along with, you know, bringing Cummings back. I think uh, yeah. he was the guy. I think he was the guy yeah. I think they most wanted to hang on to just because he does bring so much to the table. You know, he's, yeah. he can score, he can defend, he can, you know, he was, I think, towards the top of the team and assists too. Yeah, was. I, mean, I think and that is. I think that is a sure. NBA street setup that's pretty good for them right off the bat. <laughs> uh, I do like that they kept Ryan Wade too, because Ryan Wade had a pretty, actually had a pretty good season down the stretch when we finally saw him. Um, <laughs> it seems like we saw him a lot more after Will Ryan got fired than before. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that. You know, having him there, too, um, is going to help. I think um, Rudinger, the Valpo transfer, and Foster Wonders, those two guys, I think those are going to be big impact guys. But, yeah, I think, to your point, keeping Byrie, getting Byrie, get Noah Reynolds is going to be huge. And then, of course, uh, Clarence Cummings the third, who was kind of the big returnee. Um, funny enough, of course, we made the joke about – basically – I think there were only a couple of Green Bay players who actually did not. I think there was only like one. As I'm looking at it, one. My bad. One Green Bay player, Amari Jedkins, was the only one who didn't go into the initially go into the transfer portal. Yeah. Everybody else was in the transfer portal at one point in time. <laughs> only Cummings and uh, Cummings and Wade came back. So yeah. Yeah, but so, how yeah, many of those no, players were I, actually Division One players to begin with? Well, uh, we're seeing honestly. I think more than wound up D one. I think, yeah. I, I think, think that more guys that 
some of those guys just transfer down because of, you know, rules changing and things like that. I think. Yeah. I don't know. But I feel like there were a lot of guys who they wouldn't have been like, I mean, I said it when those guys were entering the portal. There were a bunch of those guys that I would have taken. They would have been bench guys at Milwaukee, but I would have been happy to have them. Sure. With and Cade Meyer ended up at Northern Kentucky, so, you know, not too shabby on his part. And I do love Horizon on Horizon Crime. I'm here for that <laughs> going That's forward far. at all times. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I'm glad we talked about those two, IUPY and Green Bay, um, the arguments that they sh- they it sh- on paper they shouldn't be in the bottom three. But I will say this. Um, Detroit Mercy, um, I don't know if I'm telegraphing my picks or anything, but I'm picking them last. Only um, yeah, that's because be I have to answer that question. Well, that? <laughs> I, I actually, say, can... Sorry. Yes. Um, on paper, I would say that they should finish last because they're not really on paper yet. No, <laughs> they're not. Have... Who the hell's well, on that uh, roster? We don't know. Yeah, I know. So, so yeah. So, um, Will Sarah, I know you. Shout out to Will Sarah. I know you wanted to ask. Wanted us to ask about this because obviously, um, it's important because uh, we found out that Jay Allen Tovar, who was coming from New Mexico by way of Southern Utah or whatever, we discovered shout that. Shout out New Mexico. <laughs> We're gonna do that a lot this season. And Rob Peter. And Rob, and Rob, and Rob Jeter. I think he left, but he actually didn't. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't even know. So, so Tovar, yeah, Tovar, we didn't know where he was. And then imagine our surprise when he magically gets ends up on an NAIA roster somewhere. Like, oh, really? I did not know that. (laughs) Oops. I think it was Portal Report who had it. Yep. And then the worst part is for for Detroit Mercy, that's not even the last we saw of oh somebody's going to be there. Up, oh, never mind. No, they're not. <laughs> nope, because Jaden Coleman uh, tweeted out that he's he's reopening his thing. He's back in the portal, so he is. So um, he was a nice piece uh, for Tulane. Like, not, I mean, probably yeah. not a superstar, but that that's a piece that Detroit Mercy could probably have used this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so let's break it down because we had 13 scholarships for Detroit Mercy. Um, allegedly, we had, um, and Alec, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Sonny Johnson Jr. had another hip surgery, so he's probably not going to play this year, correct? Correct. He had the uh, hip, the other hip done this year. The uh, I can't remember which one, but either well, no, some combination of two years in a row. Yeah, it's brutal. Jesus. So he's not going to be playing, so you're down to 12. And then you had Coleman and Tovar gone, so now you're down to 10. But wait, there's more because we don't know, A, if Jaden Stone is in fact going to be eligible. There have been rumblings that he's been on campus, kind of like sightings of the Loch Ness Monster and Sasquatch. So we don't know if he's going to be there. Still question mark. And there's still a question mark on P.J. Fuller because when they announced all of their transfers, P.J. Fuller wasn't on the list. Uh, and neither was Donovan Totley. Donovan Totley was announced later, but we still have not heard from about um, whether or not PJ Fuller is good to go. So yeah, can I can I just yeah. say this though? At the point that we're you know thinking about Detroit Mercy, 
if Stone and Fuller are the, the crux of their season, aren't they probably already in some trouble? Uh, yes. Without a doubt. I mean, yeah. they really are, because even if they do get two more guys in, even if they get those two more guys in, what does that mean? That means, A, we gotta, they got to make sure that they're eligible, and that may not happen until January. And even if they do come in, I mean, what, you know, what's that going to do? That's I mean, Antoine Davis I, isn't walking through that door. Anyone that's walking through that door right now is not going to be the impact player that they're looking for. No. And the worst part is, I mean, you have to, as we know, especially when you have a, when you have the kind of roster turnover we have seen at mul- not just Detroit Mercy, but at multiple Horizon League schools, where they're bringing, where they're utilizing the transfer portal a lot. When you see that, at the very least, you do see these guys getting their off-season workouts in, getting to, you know, spending some time at least getting to know each other. We are in the end of August, and we're still not sure if we're not even sure of the five, uh, we're not even sure of the four additional guys that are going to be on this roster. We know eight for sure. We know eight for sure, but we don't know about the, we don't know, we know they have two open roster spots now. They have one guy who's going to be out of the, likely out for the season because of his injury, because of his surgery. And then you have two other guys with big question marks on them. And then you have the Detroit Mercy, the annual, the perennial Detroit Mercy of issue. Can they stay healthy the entire year? So you add all those things in there and then you wonder why I'm picking him last. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's a fair pick. I mean, I've said over and over, over the, during, throughout the Mike Davis era that you underestimate Mike Davis at your peril, but it's hard <laughs> not to, it's pretty hard to do it anything all. Well this time. I mean, I know unless he's a good coach, but how's he going to get through this? Yeah, unless he suits up himself, I'm not a, too sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. So as for the other two teams that could potentially finish in the, in the bottom three, um, I gotta say Robert Morris has some has some question marks on theirs. But the weird thing too. The weird thing too, and we'll probably talk about this in the second part of the of the forum, is kind of the once again that parity within the league. So, um, but yeah, Robert Morris, I they lost huge when they lost Cheeks. Um, that was bad. Um, Spear obviously graduated, but Cheek losing Cheeks and probably Michael Green the third is gonna hurt. Although. Um, Justice Williams is probably going to be a huge part of this team. So, I mean, but there, yeah, I, I it, it's one of those we'll, we'll, we'll see. The, Same thing with Purdue Fort Wayne, too. Same thing with Purdue Fort Wayne. Robert Morris feels like it's going to be a test for the coach in specific. Yeah. It, you lost like all of your big producers. So now what can you do with what's left? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people are like, are projecting Justice Williams to be, you know, a complete superstar, which maybe, you know, it's one of those that just, he translates well to that level. But at this point, 
you know, basing a guy who's played two years of college on his high school rankings, I think the college production is a little bit more relevant. And I mean, I mean, he did, to my knowledge, uh, he went to LSU. He reclassified in one year early, if I've got that right. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, maybe he's essentially, you know, a sophomore who just happened to have that extra year. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like I don't. I feel like the guy who is essentially just kind of playing garbage minutes at an SEC school that wasn't particularly good might not be the savior. We've said that. Yeah, that's true. And and every it seems like every year we get a Power Five transfer we're not sure about, and then the guy. Surprises the hell out of us. That <laughs> happens all the time too. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's always the wrong direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's Purdue Fort Wayne again. Another situation where you have a whole lot of productivity coming out the uh, leaving, going out the door. And Ooh, I do like a couple of their additions. Uh, Bello from Parkside is very much like a, I mean, he could be a um, rich man's Kentrell Pullian. That'd be huge for them, right? I think the parallel, I think the parallel, I uh, parallel, I have the, the comparison I have uh, for for Rashid Bello, I think is Xavier Rose from Northern Kentucky last year. I think he's got that kind of jump. And then you add in Jalen Jackson from UIC um, and let me and normally and of course as uh, until last year that would have been considered a Horizon League on Horizon League crime. It is no <laughs> longer sadly. So I feel not. I don't feel terrible poaching them either. So, but yeah, he was he actually was started. S- he started quite a few games for them too. And I and funny thing too because I actually not to spoil anything about because I'm writing the uh, Purdue Fort Wayne preview. Uh, and talking to John Kaufman, I did not realize this because apparently I reading his fundamental and if I had read this originally, I'd have been fine. Um, his mother played basketball for Purdue Fort Wayne too, oh, and volleyball for uh, basketball and volleyball for Purdue Fort Wayne back in the nineties. So yeah, I just need so to say I'm, I hate hearing that somebody's parent played for a school in the nineties and like that kid's in school. Like that hurts me a little bit. I know Bob, it hurts you even more, but like, ouch. I mean, really, I mean, I'm pretty, yeah, uh, seemed, yeah, his, yeah, it, it's always fun to see. Well, I, I, I have, I have basically resided myself years ago to accepting the fact that by and large, most of the player, most of the parents of the players, uh, current Horizon League pairs by and large are younger than I am at this point. So <laughs> I, I pretty much have resided myself and I pretty much accept the fact that that is the case. I, I understand, I, I have. I, I reluctantly accept how time works. Jameer Nelson's kid going to college like four years ago was the first one that really, really kind yeah. of, it's like, oh man. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, it's funny because you have a Purdue Fort Wayne team who is, uh, you have a Purdue Fort Wayne team and John Kaufman who is, was, is really working the transfer portal and we're, kind of up in the air about their expectations. Meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, we have Youngstown State doing the same thing, and they seem to make it work. They made, definitely made it work last year, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I 
am very interested in what the season's going to be like for them because, um, yeah, they they brought in a ton of, you know, uh, a ton of transfers. Uh, yeah. They buy all of, like, the kind of more national-y, um, I mean, still, like, independent writers, but a lot of them are saying that, you know, they were one of the big winners of the, you know, the transfer portal. Again. It's really such a dramatic shift. Yeah, again, you mentioned, um, because they brought in three guys that, in my eyes, were all league caliber last year to go mm-hmm. along with Dwayne Cohill. Yeah. And now two of those three and Cohill are gone. Um, I mean, they relied heavily on, you know, their, their top guys. I think the rest of their rotation has talent. It's just going to be, you know, and then throwing in all these transfers, it's going to be really interesting to see. Cause it might be much more of like a, they might almost need to do that. Uh, you know, Dennis Gates and now Daniel Robinson, uh, you know, line change thing. <laughs> And it probably will, because it seems like there's always a fo- – There's uh, the last couple of years has been a focal point for Youngstown State as to their, you know, their overall uh, – who is kind of the guy as it – who is kind of tabbed as the guy. And last year and the year before, it's Dwayne Cohill. I think this year that mantle is going to go to Brandon Rush. Also, too, speaking of transfer portal, guess what? More Horizon League on Horizon League crime twice <laughs> over this time. So oh my God. somebody needs to – now, the Zorgball thing actually – Emmanuel Zorgball from Northern – and it's always Northern Kentucky for some reason. Uh, the first one is Emmanuel Zorgball. Um, I don't know what happened. That's an. I would love to hear the backstory as to how that came to pass. Um, maybe it's because, hey, um, Youngstown State realized they need some real size up, the, up in the middle, uh, especially after that Oklahoma State game. I Matt, I will spare you who did that to them on Oklahoma State. Musa Cisse. Um but but I thought that was a an interesting move on their part to get Zorgball. And then the Bryson Langdon thing. Because I thought for sure that Bryson <laughs> Langdon was done. And now all of a sudden he appears and yeah, okay. I don't know if he's gonna get the starting spot over Brent Thompson. But that's a really good rotation at the point now. Brad Breck between Thompson go, and uh, Thompson and Langdon. Brad Breck didn't gonna go transfer to Detroit Mercy to take one of those last two spots. <laughs> oh, does he so have eligibility weird. left? <laughs> does Langdon? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what? Here's he has to. Uh, he clearly has to. They I, clearly. Yeah, they, yeah. He obviously does. It's just funny. We were under the impression that he was done. He was just. I was too. Yes, absolutely. I thought he was all the way gone. And then he just magic. So it's his verbal commits posted that he was in the transfer portal. And and lost our minds. (laughs) We're like, what? How does he, how does that even work? And then like what, two days later, he's, he's announced that he's going to be going to Youngstown state. I'm like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Confused. Hey, good like, I mean, we. I think at this point in time, I think any time that a Northern Kentucky player ends up in the transfer portal, I mean, it seems like it's a coin flips chance they're going to end up at Youngstown State at this point. <laughs> I mean, really. Which I mean, is so funny. I just want to know those conversations. Just 
what is he doing? How, what kind of snake charming flute is he playing <laughs> to bring the Norse over? I don't know if you've ever talked to Jared Calhoun. He's incredibly wonderful to talk to. Like, I, I'm not even shocked. Oh, absolutely. But why is it specifically NKU every time? I mean, I don't know. Because just, just lucky, I guess. Before. But and maybe that's why Darren Horner never comes on the podcast because Jared Hor- Jared Calhoun loves us. <laughs> maybe that's the problem. Maybe Darren Horner needs to listen to this and realize that's the problem, and he needs to start hanging out with us more if he wants to stop losing people to Calhoun. We're we're the we're the linchpin. We're apparently it. Hey, when you get shot out by by a coach, you're obviously you're you're going to be biased, like. You're going to get shout out by a coach during a press conference about how good a job we're doing. Yeah, I'm digging that. <laughs> so spread the love, everyone. Spread the love. Hey, at least Darren Horn's team let us in the building this past year. So we're making strides. Hey, we're 11-11 now, man. I love that. Love that. All access, all Horizon League all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. What about yeah. some of these writers we have here, Bob? Let's get them talking. Yeah, I want to talk, I, I talk to Alec first because Alec actually had a story out, not through us, but that's okay. I'm cool with that because I know the, the, I know there were certain elements of that you're saving for the preview. Correct. Yeah, Alec is doing double duty now. He's at, uh, what is it, right down Euclid. Down that's, Euclid. The name, that's the name of the site. Yes, yes, you can find it at uh, downeuclid.com. Uh, the... Uh, Famous Cavs announcer Austin Carr. That's one of his uh, witticisms right down Euclid. So that's where that name came from. But yeah, I was able to uh, talk to uh, Coach Robinson the other day. Um, some real exciting things happening around uh, the Cleveland State men's program. Um, two of the major takeaway or a couple of the major takeaways I took away from that talk. Um, <clears throat> there's going to be. Um, obviously I, I wasn't able to get a firm answer from him with the, uh, starting lineup question. Um, that's okay. You're not gonna, yeah, I had that same conversation, but I really think that, uh, yeah. 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 But I, I did, I did listen for some clues, um, to kind of help support, a, an argument I'm going to make here. I think, uh, I think the, uh, after doing some research, I think the starting point guard job, if I had to guess now is going to go to Tevin Smith. Uh, transfer yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, Denver. the Denver transfer, yeah. Yeah, he he has two years of uh, mostly starting experience where he averaged double digits uh, per game both years uh, with Denver. So um, if you were just to base it off of seniority and experience, he's probably the guy. And he also, after watching some film on him, he does have a similar kind of game to Deshaun Parker in that he's a bigger guard and gets a lot of his uh, points from the interior. So I think... Uh, um, having a similar play style there will also help give him the edge. Um, yeah. And and then also for um, – I wrote about this at length in my uh, most recent article. Um, they're going to have to go by committee, obviously, to replace Spider Johnson because sure. they're, they're not going to be able to get that kind of production right away from a day one guy. But <clears throat> if I had to make a guess, I would give the um, advantage to this K.J. Debrick uh, guy out of uh, John A. Logan, a former teammate of Tay Williams. Um, He averaged about four blocks shots a game in high school, but he also does something that Spider really never was able to do so much, and that's step out and hit the three-pointer. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's a decent enough shooter where he can – they'll have to honor him from out there uh, defensively. So 
I would give him the nod um, in terms of an edge. He's a junior coming straight from Juco, but as we've seen, D-Rob is no problem giving those guys a uh, early run early in Not the season. Not at all. I mean, that's, that's how we, that's how we went with, uh, with Tay Williams. So that yes, makes yeah. perfect sense. Did and, you happen to ask him about TJ Moss at all? Because once again, Horizon League on Horizon League crime. I, I did not. Um, I did not ask him about TJ Moss, but I would not expect him to be a too major of a player. Um, no. But uh, they, they just have so many guys point. in the backcourt. And he also, I know. Uh, Coach Robinson was also lauding the offseason that uh, Chase Robinson had. Um, he's saying that he's going to be a player for them this year. He was a kid who sat out and redshirted last year. He's going to be a senior this year. And uh, he has a quite a bit of uh, past college experience. Um, he was D2, right? He's D2. Yeah, he's Illinois, D2. Spring, D2. Illinois Springfield. Yeah. Um, but he did start 73 games uh, for Illinois Springfield, and he averaged almost 18 a game as a sophomore. Um, so th- th- we could have some – he could give us something here for Cleveland State. And But the guy that um, I could sense it in his voice, the guy that Robinson was most excited about was uh, Ramar Pryor. I think he's going to take an absolutely massive leap um, this season. Uh, if there isn't a spot for him to starting lineup, I expect him to be the first guy off the bench and play major, major minutes. So yeah. that's, I mean, he wasn't are, too shabby last year either. Definitely. No, he showed flashes as a freshman, but I think he's going to, I think he's really going to cement himself as a major player in the conference this year. He's, he just makes winning plays. Um, he just knows what to do at the right, knows where to be at the right time and um, just makes winning plays. So yeah, it was a really good it talk is, with uh, D Rob and, he also gave me some insight into Tristan and Aruna's summer. He's been having, he's playing for the Netherlands right now in the FIBA Cup. Um, they actually recruited him. Uh, they reached out to Cleveland State to see if it would work, and uh, they made it happen. So nice. then, uh, yeah, he's been living his best life right now uh, playing in the FIBA Cup. So it should be a really good experience for him headed into his senior year. But, yeah, lot, lots of exciting things happening with Cleveland State. Um I, they're going to be, uh, another force, another year where they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for sure. What I'm sad about is I feel like given the log jam that there's going to be again this year, I'm probably going to pick them too low. I already see, I already feel that I'm going to do that to them. I, so coach Robinson, if you're, yeah, I'm going to apologize in advance. Cause I already know I'm going to probably pick you lower than you're going to finish. Probably kind of like what Matt does with Northern Kentucky. Most years they're, they're welcome. <laughs> it works out in their favor. That's true. <laughs> so, um, Blake, we need to talk about this old Wright State Tanner Holden thing because <laughs> we thought for sure that you know, they made a big. Everybody made a big deal about Tanner Holden coming back. They didn't real. I mean, realistically, they have almost the entire team coming back, with the exception of Tim Finke. They they look pretty good, and then all of a sudden, there was an announcement made that Tanner Holden is coming back to the Horizon League to Wright State. Um, and then there's questions of maybe he's not going to. Well, you know, lovely NCAA decided after the fact that uh, they were going to change the rules regarding how transfers functioned for their second time around. Uh, Because it was after the fact, if I'm remembering my dates correctly, that they decided to announce it publicly that Uh that was going to be the case. Um. Tanner transferred back to Wright State, so obviously he had to apply for the waiver. 
Um, I asked our media person regarding what the state of the waiver was. It did not get a response. Um, so my assumption is that it's still in process. The one like high profile waiver that was uh, that was going to be like a two time transfer got denied, but we haven't heard anything from Tanner's waiver. And so I'm not sure where we currently stand. I can tell you who's on the roster and there shouldn't be like an issue specifically with that side of things. But yeah, I, I don't know what the current status of it is uh, regarding that because we haven't had any updates since. Can I drop just a little? Look, Blake, this is you and me talking for a second here. So my <laughs> understanding with, with the Tanner Holden thing, and, and again, I am far from a NCAA waiver expert, but my understanding is when these waivers are happening now, there's essentially two different um, reasons that, that a kid can file for a waiver. One of them is like mental health or health in general, which has to be well documented. And the other one is like some sort of like abuse at the other school. Now the health one is going to be tough because going from Ohio state to Wright state's like what, 60 miles. Like that one's going to be tough to prove. And then the, you know, the, if there was a problem at Ohio state, Ohio state gets to like, um, what's the words I want? I'm words are tough apparently for me today. Um, Uh, Yeah, they get to dispute it. Exactly. So from what I can gather, and again, far from an expert, this is going to be tough for Tanner Holden to, to prove. Yes. Now, in, in the current bounds, it's tough to prove anything specifically other than he was a healthy scratch consistently after transferring. And so that's not like a reason that you can obviously file those waivers, but that's what led to his decision to return um, without a doubt. It's just I wonder if the NCAA is considering the fact that they did announce this afterwards and they're just deciding whether or not they should enforce their current rules as it stands or what. Uh, but I don't have that answer, and I am assuming we won't know until later. I'm trying to get in touch with uh, the two coaches so I can like determine uh, where it stands, but it could just be an NCAA sure. help. We'll find out in the year he transferred to Youngstown State. <laughs> no, 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 that won't happen because he's at, he's at, he's at Wright State, not Northern Kentucky. Get it right. Um, here is here is an interesting situation though it doesn't seem like it to me and obviously will the the whole process once it's you know it's been completed and bears out will tell us a little bit more but it seems to me at least from my perspective that Tanner Holden does still have a year of eligibility he's got that extra beer and he gets he has that no matter what the question becomes is does does he get the waiver get to play next year or are they going to make him sit out and uh, he gets has to play the year after that either way either way especially when you consider you know Trey Calvin is going to be graduating and you just replace it, it, it you theoretically could have a scenario where you pre- replace basically Trey Calvin with Tanner Holden which would be for next year <laughs> Uh, a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice thing to have happen. I don't know if that is. Again, I'm just. I, I that's my read of the situation, really. Yeah, it it truly becomes like which would you rather uh, have both of them in for an all in push or have one for one and one for the other? But 
I don't know where that's where we're going to stand with that. He's obviously here. He went to Italy, and so yeah, that's the other. Uh, either part way, he's like too. I know. Apparently, there. Apparently, there. The schools around here are pretty okay with playing, having people, having teams, uh, players that may or may not be on the roster this year, uh, get to go overseas, and then all of a sudden they're not able to go anywhere anymore. Looking at you, Pitt. The eligibility say, for overseas is different than the in-season Clearly. too. So yeah, that's true. So. I don't know. I guess we'll find out soon enough, and hopefully we soon find out between these two parts of our uh, writers' forum. Then this is a good stopping point. Start to stop part one. Uh, we were. We'll start out next uh, next episode. We'll talk a little bit about Oakland, um, along with all the rest of the teams. But until we have a couple of other uh, fan questions too. But uh, HorizonRoundtable.com. That's where you can find all of our written content all of our uh, ex- our podcast episodes. Become a patron, patreon.com slash Horizon Roundtable. You're going to get early access to preview week, and you're going to get ac- early access to the power ranking. So you want that and get a cool mug, too, to go along with it, or a cool T-shirt, maybe? Um, sign up for that and subscribe. Find, uh, support us, uh, patreon.com slash Horizon Roundtable. And, of course, uh, you can pull us up where podcasts are found, and you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So tune in, uh, tune in for part two. Um, until then, thank you all for listening.